Well, it's great to be with you guys this morning, and it's true, I didn't bring any books uh, this time to sell. You can check them out on Amazon. Uh, we've got a new book that's coming out. It's called Faith That Sees as well. I'm really excited about seeing people step into a lifestyle of faith and believing that Jesus really wants to use them in extraordinary ways. And I'm so encouraged of the testimonies that is coming out of this house of faith. And, you know, I was just talking to Pastor Jim and hearing the the testimonies of those that are being raised from the dead. 16 resurrections here that I've heard. Is Is that right? 16 resurrections? How many of you have been a part of one of those resurrections? Can I see your hand? Let me, let me see. Okay, I see that hand in the back. Anyone else you've been a part of a, a resurrection. Let me see. Okay, that hand right there. Awesome. After after today, after I'm done speaking, can you just come up here and just uh, interact with me a little bit? You know, tell me a bit, a little bit about that dead raising story. I want to hear those stories. I love stories uh, that inspire people to live a life of faith. And uh, so excited to be here with you uh, this morning. Have a ministry called Compassion to Action. Um, our, our vision really is to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry, specifically in the area of evangelism and discipleship. Um, I was the evangelism director at Bethel Church. I was there for 18 years. Uh, 15 of those years I was on staff. Had the honor and privilege to be able to train and equip thousands of people throughout the years. And it is such an honor to be with you this morning. Can I I introduce my a beautiful wife to you. Uh, I, I think selfies are actually coming in, so uh, we took a little selfie picture. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Stephanie. We've been married for 11 years. Yeah, give it up for my wife. And... Um, 11 years. Can I tell you a story about my wife and how we met? We met at the backpack giveaway at Bethel Church. And uh, backpack giveaway is when we give away backpacks to kids that are less fortunate in the community. I shook Stephanie's hand, something happened. She blushed, I blushed, and I said, my gosh, I'm going to marry her. After the backpack giveaway was over, we started dating. After a week of dating, I gave her a ring. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it, it was a promise ring, though. I promised her three things that I protect her heart, I protect her purity, and I'd be a man of prayer for the leading, guiding of the relationship. And, uh, and then uh, six months later, uh, we got engaged. And then four months later, we got married. Uh, we have a little beautiful girl. Her name is Brielle. Uh, this is our little girl, Brielle. And uh, Brielle's got a little personality. And uh, this is a little baby doll that she has in her hand here. She's at her school. And Brielle's got a little bit of a personality. Parents, you got kids that got personalities? Okay, our, our little girl's got a personality. In fact, she's got so many baby dolls at her house. We actually are thinking about starting an orphanage of baby dolls. Her favorite baby doll is called Dolly. Isn't that a unique name to call a baby doll? Dolly. And uh, I'm telling you guys, we have to have Dolly every single night for her to go to sleep. If we can't find Dolly, there is an emergency in the household. And uh, we go on a search and rescue mission. And what we'll do is we'll begin to pray. I'll, I'll teach Brielle, uh, Brielle, pray, where's Dolly at? And so she'll pray. And then she'll actually begin to shout out, Dolly, Dolly, where are you? As if she could really hear you. But once we find Dolly, there is a celebration in the Overstreet household. 
You know, and it's just like God, you know, that he leaves the 99 for that one lost sheep. And once he finds that one lost sheep, there is a celebration. So she leaves all of her other baby dolls and says, this is the one that I'm really after. And so Brielle's got a personality. And uh, one of the things that I've been uh, teaching Brielle and uh, my wife Stephanie has been teaching her is she can change her attitude. She's four. She can change her attitude. The other day, uh, she was uh, having a bad attitude. And, um, and I, I, don't, I don't tolerate bad attitudes. I, I don't like bad attitudes. Uh, who's all right with bad attitudes? I'm not all right with bad attitudes. I think we should have a good attitude. And especially in the household, I think we should have a good attitude. Now, it's okay for us to be able to process, but if you're uh, processing your whole life with a bad attitude, something's wrong. You got silent. Okay, all right. So I said, Brielle, I need you to change your attitude right now. She says, I can't. I said, yes, you can. She said, I can't. I said, yes, you can. Watch this. I'm going to say something really quick, and then your whole face is going to change. Ice cream, chocolate. Her eyes lit up. Man, everything changed really fast. i got to tell you a story. I was uh, around nine years old, and, uh, and I stole my neighbor's bicycle, and, uh, and I started riding his bicycle. Kind of stole it, not stole it. I mean, we were just kind of joking around. And my brother, uh, he started chasing me with his bike. And as he began to chase me uh, with his bike, he hit the back of my tire, and I fell off the bike, and I'm just hanging on the ground. I'm just like paralyzed on the ground, but not really paralyzed. I'm just in a state of I want attention because I'm nine years old, nine or ten years old. So the police officer was driving right by, and he saw everything. So he gets out of the car. He calls the paramedics. I'm on the ground. I'm acting like there's a big problem. There's not a big problem. So my father hears that I'm on the ground in the middle of the street. My brother goes uh, up the street, just two houses up, a few houses up. And my dad comes down, and he looks at me as the paramedics are there, the police officers are there. And he says, Chris, what are you doing? Get up. And then he pauses, and the paramedic says, should we take him to the hospital? And my dad says, no, he's not going to the hospital. He's fine. Watch. He whispers to me, Chris, we're having pizza tonight. Get up. You're going to miss the pizza. I shut up, man. I looked at my dad. I said, pizza? I got up. I walked home with my dad so fast. And he said, what were you doing on the ground? And I, and I, and I didn't really have much to say. And let me just tell you this morning, if you feel like you're on the ground and you can't get up this morning, it's time for you to look up so you can get up. God's got something incredibly planned for your life. And I want to encourage you, when you look up, you can get up. And when you look in the eyes of Jesus Christ, you can see clearly. I felt that the Lord wanted to encourage you this morning. I felt that there were some people that's going through some tough things this morning, but God wants to bring strength into your heart and to your life. That He's wanting to encourage you to be able to say, don't give up. 
you can get up. If that word resonates in your heart, you've been going through a tough time, you've been feeling like giving up, I want you to, I want you to raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you. I feel like courage is going to flood people's heart. Just keep your hands up right now. I, I really felt that very, very strongly here that God wanted to encourage some people. You're going through some stuff. Keep your hands up. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. And I pray for a supernatural release of courage this morning in people's hearts and lives. Father, I pray that they would not give up, but they would get up, keep going. Holy Spirit, come with power. Bring courage this morning. Bring strength this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I, uh, I wrote a, a book recently that's not for sale, um, but I wrote it to, to really tell someone how much I appreciated them. Um, in the last year, I've written four books. I, um, I went to, to, I got a mentor in book writing. And um, I was inspired by someone that wrote um, 12 books in just a few years. And I wanted to learn from this individual. Uh, this individual was incarcerated. He spent uh, six years of his life in prison. And the last five years, he's been out of prison. And, um, and he's written uh, 12 books. And so I saw a grace that was on his life. And I said, you know, and I just want to, I want to receive from this individual, even though he spent many years in prison. And so he began to teach me and mentor me on how to write books and how to be effective. And a little bit of my history is I had dyslexia. I had a very hard time reading and writing um, growing up. And, uh, but I, I met with Ricky, and he inspired me. And, and so after I, I started writing books, I thought of who could I write a book to that has really impacted my life. And even as I'm sharing this, I believe that there is going to be a grace that's going to come on people to write books. And there's many individuals that have been desiring to write books, um, but sometimes we make it uh, too complicated. And Ricky made it so simple for me. And he made me think about one person to write to one person. And as I began to focus in, I began to discover, wow, there is actually some people that I could actually write books to. And so I began to write books, um, not just to groups of people, but to individuals. And one person I wrote a book to was Bill Johnson. And I share this because there's people that have impacted your life. And, um, and there's ways that we could show them that we appreciate them. And I wrote a book called The Bamboo Farmer. And I told, book, I told Bill in the book that he's a bamboo farmer. And I am the first to write him a book. And, um, and bamboos, something, something you need to know about bamboos is bamboos underground, you don't see them for about three years. But after around three to five years, they shoot up. And I said, Bill, you're a bamboo farmer because you sow into people and you don't, you don't necessarily see the fruit of it automatically but give it time and you see it. So I wrote this book to Bill and I, and, I, and I share that because I believe that there's some people here that are called to write books. Parents, I believe that there's some of the things that God has placed inside of you to write to your children. Children, I believe that you have books inside of you to write to your parents. There's something about giving someone not just a card, but a book to be able to say, you've impacted my life. And I want to encourage you to begin to, to think about that. 
All right, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get started. Father, I thank you so much for what you're going to do this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come in such a powerful way? Uh, Would you inspire people in faith today? Have your way. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for a grace to be released today in the area of communication, communicating the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would stir up our hearts in a profound and powerful way. Lord, I thank you for souls that are going to be saved in this place, throughout this place. And uh, I thank you, God, for grace, for communicating the gospel. Incredible miracle signs and wonders following it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask a question really quickly as I start, um, and I want to celebrate some people. If you've given your life to the Lord within the last three years, can you raise your hand? The last three years, can you raise your hand? You've given your life to the Lord within the last three years. Raise your hand, please. This lady right here, come on. Let's just congratulate her. I believe the Lord's going to do something profound in your life. I believe that there is a discipleship movement inside of you. And you're going to teach people to reach one and to teach one. There's multiplication inside of you. Ephesians 3.20 says this. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within you. And God's going to do something in your life. And I want to encourage you and anyone that's given their life to the Lord recently to study the word of God. Dive into the word of God and do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Because when we obey him, that's when we grow. And uh, so, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray in the next 12 months for massive growth in this young woman's life. In Jesus' holy name, amen. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to share stories, testimonies that will inspire people to begin to step out and share their faith. I I want to just dive into the gospel really quickly. And um, if we could show that slide um, of the gospel, this is the gospel. God loves us. He created us to be with him. Our sins is what separated us from God. Sins cannot be taken away by our good works or our good deeds or our money. There is someone that paid for our sins, and his name is Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross over 2,000 years ago, looked into the future, into this present moment, and he saw you. He says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And everyone who repents and turns to Jesus Christ shall have life. And life starts the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to show a picture of an individual that his life has been changed and transformed by the power of Jesus. His name is Alex. Can you show that picture of Alex? Uh, Alex um, was a a former gang member. Um, He was in the Mexican mafia. And Alex spent time in prison, um, many years. And uh, he was in prison because he stabbed someone 13 times. And he went to prison, and he got out of prison, and he was paroled in Redding, California. And one of the things that I had the honor and privilege to be able to do in Redding, California, is to be able to help create outreaches. And one of the outreaches that I had the honor and privilege to be a part of was going into areas that were less fortunate. Going into areas that was high in crime, that was high in poverty, 
to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we would do is we would just knock on doors and meet people right where they're at. So I knock on Alex's door. He just gets out of prison. He's paroled in Redding, California. I knock on his door and I introduce myself. And, and I just begin to share with Alex how much Jesus loves him and has a plan for his life. Now, you have to understand that Alex didn't want to hear really anything that I had to say. But compassion is persistent. Compassion is persistent. I felt compassion for Alex. I felt like Alex, although he was older than me, he was like a son of mine, a son that I didn't know, a son that I have really never met before, but I felt love for Alex. I felt compassion for Alex. And so I told Alex I'd be back, and, and uh, Alex didn't really care if I came back or not, but I said, hey, Alex, I'll show up again. Because every week we were in this particular neighborhood. So I go back and I, and I meet with Alex and, and I begin to share Jesus and the simple gospel with Alex. And something began to happen to Alex over time. And I'd like to be able to propose to you that discipleship isn't when someone gets born again. Discipleship starts prior to someone getting born again. And I just began to meet with Alex, and Alex gave his life to Jesus Christ. Uh, he was baptized at Bethel, and um, his life began to be changed and transformed. Alex and I had a conversation about the individual that he stabbed. He wanted to ask this individual for forgiveness. And something happens when we know that we have been forgiven of our sins, we realize that we need to forgive others, but we also need to ask people to forgive us of what we've done wrong. And Alex felt in his heart, I need to ask this individual to forgive me. Now, this individual wasn't just like any other individual. This individual was his son. His son, who also was a gang member, who also was in the Mexican Mafia. So Alex and I began to talk, and we had a conversation, and Alex says, I have, to, I have to ask my son to forgive me. So Alex, he's, he's praying for courage. I believe that God wants to give us courage. Courage is not always a feeling, but it is a trust in God. It is a trust in God. His love for us, his love for people. And um, Alex goes to his son, and his son says, yes, I'll meet with you. And Alex begins to share on how, how his life has been changed and transformed by a person named Jesus Christ. He shares how he had made terrible mistakes and how he was brainwashed by the gang that he was in. And he was brainwashed with sin. And he shares with his son how sorry he was and how his life has been changed by this person named Jesus Christ. Alex asked his son to forgive him. His son embraced him, begins to weep and cry and give his father a big hug and begin to share with his father how he forgives him. Alex's life has been changed and transformed by this one person we call Jesus Christ. And the greatest miracle that ever takes place is the miracle of a heart that has been changed and transformed by this person that we all love and we all adore. And his name is Jesus Christ. 
There's a, there's a scripture in the Bible called Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 talks about the Great Commission. And I like to propose to us that the Great Commission was never meant to be the Great Suggestion. Can I have a Kleenex? Okay, there's some over here. The Great Commission was never meant to be the Great Suggestion. And my heart today is to be able to encourage us that each and every one of us have a harvest field. And in just a moment, I'm going to share with us 10 approaches of communicating the gospel to people. My goal is not to have you become street evangelist. That's not my goal. That's not my heart. Although some of you, that's the way that you're wired. My goal is to see every one of you equipped to know the gospel and to communicate the gospel wherever you go so that you are seeing people saved all around you. How many people you would say, Chris, I want to baptize people in water. I have a desire to baptize people in water. Let me see your hands. Okay. Every one of our hands should be up this morning. The reason why is because Matthew 28 that we're going to read is the commission of the believer, not the preacher. Not the deacon. And I, I want to inspire you this morning, and I want to encourage you that whatever we read in the Bible, to be able to put ourselves in a position to be able to say, I too can do what Jesus says I can do. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We're going to start in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when Jesus saw and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Have you ever noticed that um, in some circles, doubt and unbelief is celebrated? It's actually praised. We doubt the ability that God has given us. We look at other ones and we say, well, they can do it, but not me. It's very interesting because here we see that some is worshiping while others are doubting. And I believe that the Lord is inspiring the church to live a life of faith, to be inspired by him and to step in the shoes of Jesus. And it goes on and says, all authority, this is the words of Jesus, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. Discipling others is, is something that every one of us get to do. And I want to ask you the question, Who's your Timothy? Who's your Timothy this morning? Oftentimes we're so excited to be poured into, but who are we intentionally pouring into? Who are we intentionally multiplying our life in? I want to talk about baptism really quickly because I believe that there's something happening here in the atmosphere. Something happening here in my heart. I feel and I sense multiplication multiplication through evangelism and discipleship through miracle signs and wonders power encounters taking place 
There are five spiritual blessings that come on someone's life when they are baptized. If you have not been baptized in water, I would encourage you to be baptized in water soon. I want to encourage you to do it today. I mean, if you can't be baptized in water today, one of the things we've been seeing is we've been seeing people get baptized in hot tubs. We've been seeing people get baptized in bathtubs. We've also been seeing people get baptized in churches. But let me just tell you this really quickly. I believe that the harvest is so great that we cannot wait for just once a month baptism services. What God is doing in the spirit, there is such an influx of people being stirred in their spirit to reach out and to make disciples that our churches, our buildings are not going to be able to just wait for once a month for baptisms. Here's five spiritual blessings that come on someone's life when they are baptized. The first one is the blessing of obedience. There is peace in your heart when you choose to obey God. The second blessing is the blessing of placing your life under the authority of Jesus Christ and his lordship. When we submit to his authority, we gain spiritual authority. The third spiritual blessing is the blessing of having our uh, blessing of having the understanding of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fourth blessing is the blessing of a clean conscience and a pure heart. And the fifth blessing is the blessing of having your past identity that was found in sin removed and replaced with a new life in Christ Jesus. How many people are wanting to baptize other individuals? Let me see your hands right now. Okay, yeah, there's more hands now. Something happens when we come alive and we realize, ah, I can do this as well. I want to see every one of you guys baptizing people in water after they've repented of their sins and given their life to Jesus Christ. Can we show that next picture really quickly? This is a picture of a family. And uh, this is a picture of a family that have come together. And the two in the middle um, got married. And uh, these two were together for 14 years, living together. They have three children together. And um, I, I went to this individual's um, apartment, and I felt that uh, as I moved to the new location, just right outside of Portland, that I needed to invest in certain areas. And so I said, God, where do you want me to go? And then I had this idea, okay, go to the worst neighborhood possible. Go to the worst neighborhood possible. So I said, well, where's the worst neighborhood? And I said, okay, how am I going to find this out? Oh, Google, that's it. Uh, I'll Google it. Worst neighborhood in the area. So I Googled the worst neighborhood in the area, and what I did is I started knocking on doors. Now, you have to understand something, guys. I didn't feel courageous knocking on doors. In fact, I felt a little bit insecure. This is the worst neighborhood, but I felt love for people. I felt compassion for people. I felt something pulling on my heart to reach people, tell people about Jesus. And so I knocked on doors, and this was my approach. Excuse me. Hi, my name is Chris. I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Is there anything that I can pray for you about? No, no, thank you. Okay, have a good day. Then I knock on another door. Excuse me. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm out praying for people. Is there anything that I can pray for you about? No, no, thank you. And then one person would drop the F-bomb at me and I'd say, no, we don't want to hear anything. And I realized that we all have fear. 
I have fear at times that surfaces in my heart. In fact, there's four fears that's common to people. Fear of rejection. Fear of man. Fear of failure. The fear of misunderstanding. Fear of disappointment. So I'm knocking on doors and I can feel fear surfacing in my heart. Do I retreat? Have you ever felt like retreating? Have you ever felt like giving up? Is there a couple of you? Okay. All right. Good. I'm not the only one. So I'm thinking to myself, is this really doing anything? Am I really making a difference? And I knock on a couple other doors. And then people are like, wow, thanks for coming here. This is cool. And then I knock on Mike's door. Mike says, wow, I don't really want to hear anything about Jesus, but I'm inspired by you. I'm thinking, how are you inspired? So you have enough courage to knock on doors? I'm thinking to myself, I don't feel courageous right now. But I do feel love. I don't feel courageous, but I do feel love. The Holy Spirit is upon this man right here. This man right here. God's touching your heart, man. The Lord is going to fall upon you. And it really is a wave of compassion. There will be thousands of people impacted through your life. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this man's life, God. Holy Spirit, come, God. He's the one, Lord. Spirit of the Lord, fall upon him, God. Multiply, 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 multiply in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God, multiply, 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 multiply in the name of Jesus. Mike said, I'm inspired by your courage. I I don't feel like I have courage. But I do have love. I said, I'll come back again next week. So I come back again the next week. And um, the Lord speaks to me. He said, give all your money away to him. That birthday money that you were just given, give it to him. He needs it more than you. I said, okay. It's very interesting when God asks you to give something. It really always tests your heart, especially when it comes to money. Like, who's really Lord? And I said to God, I said, all right, he needs it more than I do. You're the boss. You're the one that provides. All my good works, all my good, hard efforts. Ultimately, it's you that is the one that's behind this whole thing. <laughs> I'll give it to him. So I go up to Mike and I said, Mike, I just want to tell you that I can't stay here that long, but I want to give you something. And I give him all my money. He says, oh, man, you don't have to do that. I said, I know I don't have to, but I want to. God loves you so much. I got to go, Mike. We'll see you again. I'll be back. I come back the third week. Mike says, you don't understand. No one's ever given me anything. I'm thinking to myself, it was just some money. And now this grown man is being impacted in such a powerful way. He says, no one's ever given me anything, Chris. He says, I've got, I've got three kids. 
And no one's ever given me anything. I said, well, I'm speaking at this church. And that's what I often do almost every week in the area. I'm at a new church and training and equipping in the area of uh, evangelism and discipleship. Helping churches create nets uh, for discipleship. And helping churches create uh, evangelistic, uh, evangelistic wings in their church. And uh, I said, I'm speaking at this church. I said, why don't you come and hear me speak? He says, oh, I'd love to. I'd love to pay my good diligence. You know, I'll do that. And I said, okay. And so I preach on radical discipleship. I, I teach the word that there's a difference between being a convert and a disciple. And I said that Jesus has never asked us to, you know, accept just a part of him, but to accept all of him. To follow him with everything inside of us. Not to incorporate him. And so I'm sharing it, uh, the, the simple gospel. And how people need to give up their lives. Not incorporate their lives. And I'm sharing just some, some things. And I give a call. For people to surrender their life to Christ. And the only person that comes forward. Is Mike. He comes forward. He's weeping crying. As the spirit of God comes upon him. And um, and what I was looking for is I knew that I could talk Mike into praying a prayer the second week or even the third week. But I wasn't interested in a prayer. I was interested in repentance. I was interested in a change of heart. Not not just someone just praying a prayer that they don't understand when it brings no change in their life. I wanted to see a gift of repentance come upon him that only God can bring. So Mike comes forward, he's weeping and crying, and, and he's repenting, and he says, he says, I, I want to be baptized today. I said, Mike, there's no baptism tank here. He says, I have to be baptized today. I said, I got a friend that's got a hot tub. He says, I want to go and be baptized today. I don't want the devil to talk me out of anything. I want to follow Jesus. So I, I, I teach Mike for 30 minutes once we get to the baptism tank what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What it means to follow him, to give up his life so that he can truly find his life. Well, it would profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul. So Mike, he's baptized. And then he says this after he's baptized. He says, well, what do I do now? What do I do now? This is what I said. Mike Every morning, I want you up reading your Bible. I want you to study the Word of God. I want you to make it your ambition. Wake up in the morning. Open your Bible and read it. Mike, and I want you to keep it simple. Whatever you see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about, you must obey Him. Don't delay just obey. So I begin to talk to Mike about simple obedience. Whatever he sees in the word of God, he has to obey Jesus. And so Mike opens up his Bible and he begins to read. He says, Chris, well, what about my family? You know, I've got three kids and I've got a woman that I've been with for uh, 14 years and we're not married. And I said, Mike, I don't want you to preach to your family. I want you to be Jesus to your family. I want you to be Jesus to your family. And uh, Mike gets up every morning, he's reading his Bible. 
I believe that there is a wave of radical discipleship that is moving through the church right now. And one of the things that the theme is reading your Bible. Reading your Bible. And, um, and so Mike says, well, what do I do? I says, Mike, all I want you to do is obey Jesus. Read the Bible and obey him. So his daughter, who is 12 years old, sees Mike opening up the Bible every morning and reading it. And she's thinking, wow, this is different. My dad has changed. What is he doing? And she says, uh, Dad, what's happened to you? And he says, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm following Jesus now. Then she begins to read the Bible. She begins to read the book of Luke as well. She goes through the whole book of Luke. And she says, I want to be baptized too, Dad. And this is what uh, Mike says. He says, I know that you want to follow in daddy's footsteps. But being baptized is a very serious thing. I believe this is coming to America. I believe that this radical spirit is coming to America. Here's the deal. If you can talk someone into doing something and there's no conviction in their heart, you can talk them out of it as well. This is what Mike says. I'm so glad that DNA of radical discipleship was transferred through Mike's life into his daughter's life. Mike says to his daughter, I want you to write me a report out. It's pretty crazy, huh? (laughs) Write a report. What does it mean to be baptized? You know what she did? She wrote eight pages. Eight pages of what it means to be baptized in water and to follow Jesus and to be a disciple. And guess who baptized her? Mike. His first baptism and his first disciple was his daughter. Mike's family begins to see the change and the transformation that took place in Mike's life. I told Mike straight up, I said, Mike, here's the deal. The people that tell you that everything is going to be fine now that you've become a Christian, they are liars. No, actually, that seed that's inside of you is going to create chaos around you. It's going to disturb things all around you. But you must be persistent. You must not give up. And so when Mike began to go through things, when people began to leave because Mike wasn't no longer partying, I said, Mike, this is going to happen. But you be consistent and they will honor you in the future. You be faithful and they will look at your life and say, my gosh, look at this man's life and how he's been changed and transformed. Something happens inside of us when we are consistent with what the Lord has called us to do. I want to show another slide really quickly. There are 10 approaches to introduce people to Jesus. And I'm going to ask people questions. How many people you feel more drawn to miracle signs and wonders? Let me see your hands. Come on. Okay. Miracle signs and wonders. Power. Power encounters. Let me see your hands. Awesome. Yeah, so am I. That's how I'm, that's how I'm wired. I, I want to see just someone, bam, come under the power of God and uh, miracle signs and wonders, devils coming out of people. I love that stuff. I, I love seeing people get, uh, you know, impacted with the kingdom of God, uh, people falling out on the streets, uh, devils coming out of people, uh, miracle signs and wonders taking place. I love that stuff. But here's what I realized. 
I've come to value different approaches, that not everyone is a street evangelist, but everyone can introduce people to Jesus. How many people you would say, I'm a creative individual, you think creatively, let me see your hands. I want to propose to you that the gospel will come out of your creativity. I want to propose to you that people can get born again through your creativity. I believe that the Lord right now all across America is giving creative ideas to present the gospel to people. To get the gospel out to see people get saved, healed, and delivered. Let me, uh, let me ask you this question. How many people you would say that you're a good friend? Okay, every hand should be up here. <laughs> you say, I, I could be a friend. Can I see your hands? I, I could be a friend. Okay. If you can be a friend, you could be a disciple maker. If you can be a friend, you could be a disciple maker because discipleship starts by being a friend to someone. So there's different approaches. How many people have heard of Billy Graham? Every one of us have heard of Billy Graham, is that right? Billy Graham had a certain approach, and he had only one approach primarily, and that was presentation evangelism. He did the same thing over and over and over again. If you study the life of Billy Graham, when he begins to speak, he has the same style, the same presentation. Some of us are going to have the same approach, same presentation, but most of us most likely are not. Most likely are not. Persuasive. How many people have heard of Ravi Zacharias? How many people appreciate Ravi Zacharias? I sure do. He is a persuasive evangelist. He's a total persuasive evangelist. Now, I, I don't have the style that he has, but I sure do value his style. Even actually, Paul was persuasive. Remember on Mars Hill? Paul was persuasive. He was an apologetic, if you will, like Rabbi Zacharias. This is how you know you're called to apologetics, is people get saved. If people are not getting saved, you're not called to apologetics. Under Ravi Zacharias' ministry, people get saved. There are some people that just want to argue, and there are no, there's no fruit in their life. Method. I've got a friend named Scott McNamara. He does the same thing over and over. It's a method. And it's a method that God gave him, and people are getting saved all over the place. Event. How many people like going to events or putting on events? Okay. The truth is that most of us here are never going to do a stadium event, meaning that you're going to run a stadium event. Most of us aren't. You know, there's a very small percentage of individuals that are going to put on stadium events. It's a very small percentage. And what happens is a lot of times is, is people feel like, wow, I must not be an effective witness for Jesus Christ because I'm not a part of that big event. And the truth is, maybe God's not wired you like that. Maybe God's wired you to be in the workplace. Maybe God's wired you to be effective in the workplace. Another style is prophetic. How many would say I'm prophetic? If you're prophetic, that means that God wants to use you powerfully to minister to hearts and lives and see people get saved all over the place. I want to pray this morning that the Lord would stir a fire in our hearts.
But I'm going to read something in Revelations chapter 2 in just a moment. And I want to talk about the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was the leading church of revival. Who's ever studied church history will know that the church of Ephesus was the leading revival church. Here's a few things that took place at the church of Ephesus. They were delivered from idol worship. They were liberated from evil spirits. They experienced many miraculous healings. They had a great bonfire where they burned their occultic books. They had public acts of repentance before a pagan crowd. But something took place with the church of Ephesus 20 some years later. Can you turn to Revelations chapter 2? Revelations chapter 2. 20 some years later, the Lord begins to talk to the church of Ephesus. And he was greatly concerned about this leading revival church. On the outside, everyone was still patting the back of the revival church. But Jesus was looking at the revival church of the day and was greatly concerned. And he mentioned his concern in Revelations chapter 2. This is 20 some years later after the revival in Ephesus began to take place. So the churches around Ephesus, they were, they were drawing on Ephesus, the revival culture, the things that were taking place. But something happened in the culture of Ephesus. We look at Ephesus right now and we see modern day Turkey, 3% Christian. But it was the booming revival, if you will, church of the day. What happened? What happened? Jesus tells us what happens in Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4. The Lord speaking. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstands from its place, unless you repent. Jesus says three things. He says, remember, repent, and do the first works that you used to do, or else I am coming. He didn't say Satan's coming. He says, I am coming, and I'm going to remove your lampstand. From its place. It's very interesting. The Lord is speaking. This is 20 some years later. And he's saying. If you do not remember. If you don't repent. And if you don't do the first works that you used to do. When you were born into revival. I'm coming. And I'm going to take that fire. That I placed inside of you. And I'm going to put it somewhere else. And he says remember. And I feel the Lord speaking over America right now. Remember. Remember the time when you would open up your Bible and you would shut the door and you would go into your room and you would seek him and you would get on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, come. Remember the times when you would memorize scripture and you would meditate on the scriptures day and night and you would be in a place of sitting on your couch and saying, Holy Spirit, come. Or you were with your family and you would say, Holy Spirit, come, have your way. Remember the times when you would 
look for people to pray for when it was all new for you and there was an excitement in your heart and your life because you were learning so much about Jesus, remember? And this is what Jesus is speaking. He says, do you remember? Do you remember the times where you would love on me and I would love on you? Do you remember the times where you loved your brother so much that you never spoke negative about someone? That you loved them? That you invited them over to your house? That you loved them? You cared for them? You helped them? You gave out of your own lack? You provided for other individuals? Do you remember those times? We loved individuals. And then he says this, repent. What does it mean to repent? If I'm going this way, and I'm set on my direction, although I think I'm headed in the right way, repentance means once the conviction comes of the Holy Spirit, and you realize, oh my gosh, I've got off focus. Jesus is going that way. I'm going in the wrong direction. Now that I'm remembering it's time to turn back and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then he says, do the first works that you used to do. Do the first works that you used to do. I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring up hearts this morning to remember. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to remember. first love when he spoke to you he spoke his word over you he felt his presence all around you I want you to remember times you would open up your bible you would highlight your bible I want you to remember the times where you were so excited to wake up early, to be at church on time. Because you were so excited to be there. It wasn't work for you. It was a passion. I want you to remember the times where you just were looking for ways to help others. You were looking for ways to contribute into other people's lives. And as you're remembering, if you've gotten off course, and your heart is not burning the way that it used to for Jesus, you don't talk about Jesus the way that you used to. He's not the number one in your conversation. Just turn. Just turn back to him through remembering. I just tell him you're sorry. And ask this Holy Spirit to come to empower you to do the first works that you used to do. I'm going to pray in, in just a moment. I know the fire is going to come on hearts. And I know that there's a rekindling of a passion and a love for Jesus.
But I want to remind us that this Jesus that we love because he first loved us. He hung on a bloody cross over 2,000 years ago. And that blood has never dried up. It's still flowing right now. He loves you. 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 I believe that the body of Christ needs to stand with each other more than ever. To hold each other up, to keep each other accountable. That we're burning for Jesus. That we're loving him. Some of us today, what's going to happen is there's going to be a, a rekindling and a refiring that's going to come into hearts. And you need to tell someone. You need to tell someone of the commitment that you're making. The Holy Spirit right now is already talking to people. He's already reminding people, telling people, saying, I'm actually asking you to do this. Even right now, there's a there's a courage coming into hearts to obey him. So I'm going to pray and the Lord is stirring up things in your heart. He's reminding you. And you know the Lord is talking about your first love right now. I want you to respond. I want to give you an opportunity. Give you an opportunity to come forward. Now, this is not an altar call for salvation. This is a call for remembering. This is a call turning back. This may not apply to everyone, but if you feel God dealing with your heart, then make that fresh commitment this morning. If you've if you made it about something then other than Jesus in your own heart, your own life. Then let him renew you this morning. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with your heart, I want to invite you to come forward here. And the fire of God's going to fall on people. And there's ministries that are going to be birthed this morning. I feel it. Ministries and households, marriages are going to be restored. I feel it. So, as I pray, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, just come forward.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for your truth. And Jesus, I thank you that you're here right now. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. If there's people that you're reminding, Lord, to turn to you with all their heart, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come with your fire, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you come with your fire? Would you remind them, God, would they? Would you remind them, Lord, to let the fire of God come, Lord, right now. Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Come with your fire, God. Come with your fire, Lord. Come with your fire, Lord. Come, Spirit of the Lord. God, I pray for renewing of fire in this place, Lord. I pray that you'd break the fear of man off of people right now. God, I pray that you'd come with a wave of your love, God, a wave of your affection, Lord. Will you come right now? God, for those that are responding, Lord, I'm praying that you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. 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 Some of us haven't even opened our Bible up in weeks. And I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm putting a passion inside of you right now. If you feel the Holy Spirit, before I begin to lay hands on people, I feel the fire of God's going to touch down on people. If you feel God tugging on your heart and you're, you're just afraid of what people think about you, that's, that's you that needs to get up out of your seat and come down here right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. ministries that are going to be birthed here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The prophet Haggai the word of the Lord came to Haggai. And he spoke to Zerubbabel. And he spoke to Joshua. And as he began to speak, the spirit of prophecy came and it stirred their hearts. It stirred their hearts. And, and I believe the Lord is going to stir hearts this morning. And, uh, and so the word of the Lord stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of, I can't even pronounce the name. <laughs> And Joshua, the word of the Lord stirred them. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to stir hearts in this place this morning, Lord. Stir. I'm going to just lay hands on some of you, and I, I feel the Holy Spirit is just going to stir hearts this morning. If we could just have uh, some of the ministry team just lay hands on people. But I really believe that there is good, households are going to be impacted right now. I believe families are going to be impacted. I believe that businesses are going to be impacted. I believe that neighborhoods are going to be impacted. Schools are going to be impacted. Something happens when the church is stirred. Something happens when the church is reminded, and there is a fresh love, and 
and a fresh fire that comes inside their hearts, and it's only by the Spirit of God. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Stir right now. Stir right now, Lord. Stir right now. Stir right now. Holy Spirit, come. Stir, God. Stir right now. Stir, Lord. Stir right now. Stir. Holy Spirit, do what you can do. Do what only you can do. Stir right now. Stir, 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 stir. Someone's right knee is being healed right now. The Lord's healing someone's right knee. If that's you, you need healing in your right knee, just uh, raise your hand right now. 
The Lord's healing your knee. Just stand to your feet right now. The Lord's healing someone's right knee right now. Thank you for your healing anointing, Lord Jesus. Restore, Lord Jesus. Someone has a growth, I believe, on their abdomen. If you've got a growth on your abdomen, um, if that's you, just uh, uh, stand to your feet right now. I believe the Lord's healing someone's abdomen. They have a growth on their abdomen. If that's you, just wave your hand right now. You've got something going on in your abdomen right there. Father, in the name of Jesus, dissolve it. Dissolve it in Jesus' name. 100% healing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of your healing power in Jesus' name. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Someone's right arm, it's, a, it's in all the way uh, from their wrist through their elbow, has been injured. I, I don't know if it was a car accident, but there's, a, there's been an injury on their right uh, uh, wrist through their elbow. Who's that right now? The right wrist through the elbow. The Lord's, the Lord's restoring someone's right wrist to elbow. Who's that person right now? stand our feet. Just let's lift our hands to the Lord.
you love them. release fire in this place, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I just feel the Lord just stirring up hearts.
you created us in your image to know you to make you known guys I want to tell you God is more exciting than your greatest football team Stir the hearts, God. Stir the hearts, Lord. Stir the hearts. There is going to be a wave of healing, miracle signs and wonders that is going to take place outside of the four walls of the church. I see the lame walking. I see the blind seeing. I see multitudes of individuals getting saved, healed, and delivered. There is a stirring that is taking place. There is a multiplication that's taking place. Multiply, 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 multiply. Something is happening. And I, and I even see like these passion groups that are going to get started, of people that are passionate about certain things and they're going to make disciples around their passion Father thank you for what you're doing in Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name As I was sharing, how many people were stirred to, to begin to share with other individuals? Let me see your hands. You just feel like a, a rekindling in hearts. Can I see your hands? Just a stirring. I believe the Lord is going to use you in a powerful way. And whatever God tells you to do, just obey Him. I want to show a video really quickly of some individuals that stepped out and prayed for a woman that was in a wheelchair. And it's changed the course of her life and her whole family's life. If we could show that video. You want to just quickly take a seat. And I believe this is going to begin to spring forth all over. Giving me the one one finger, okay. One minute, great. Uh, for those that, I, I really have a sense that the Lord's going to multiply. How many people you say, you know, Chris, I want to begin to step out and share my faith on a continual basis. Can I see your hands? Uh, the Lord's going to do something. There's, there's going to be multiplication. I, I promise you this. If, if you tell someone what God is stirring in your heart, 
and you say, I'm going to make a commitment to be consistent, I promise you in the next year, in the next year, this place will be overflowing with individuals that have gotten saved. I promise you. This place will be booming with people that have gotten born again in, in the last year. Let's show that video. My name is Janie Tebow. I was born in Salem, Oregon, and I'm currently living in Corvallis, Oregon right now. It was actually back in 2005 when I had the first onset of Giambere. It came on very quickly. Uh, one day I just woke up and I wasn't able to walk. It, it's an autoimmune disease, and what autoimmunity does is that it, it's your own body attacking some part of your body. And in my case, it was the myelar covering around the nerves. My life before the disease, I was very active. You know, I had a full-time job. I would go to the gym. I would go out to dinner and go to the movies, all sorts of things. I was very active. Once the disease took place, I kind of became a hermit. I was very depressed, severely depressed, actually. It was a very difficult time because I didn't really know what my purpose was. I had dreams. I had things that I wanted to do, and I thought, there's no way that this can happen now. I had gone to Fish Fest with a friend of mine. She's a neighbor of mine, and we got to see um, some of the music and everything, and I was just kind of sitting in my wheelchair waiting for her to come back. I had some gentlemen approach me from Compassion to Action, and they asked if they could pray for me, and I said yes. I actually didn't feel anything at first, you know. It was, they were praying for me, and then um, all of a sudden I felt some warmth, and then I felt some um, electricity going into my legs, and it was so exciting. And I, it, it scared me a little bit at first, because I was like, what is this? You know, um, and so <laughs> it, the electricity came, the warmth came, and um, out of uh, faith, the young men told me to just step out in faith and walk. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I did, and I was kind of wobbly at first, and it was, it was scary, because you know, I, I didn't wanna fall, but all of a sudden I felt like there were these braces on my legs that were strengthening my legs. It was just supernatural and it was, it was so awesome. I can't explain the, the feeling, but it was like there were these braces on my leg and all of a sudden my legs had strength. Strength that they never had before. on life, just the, just the power of God is just so awesome. And I, I can't say that enough. I just keep saying awesome, awesome, awesome. That's my newfound word for it because there's just no other way to, to describe it. God's love is really, He does love us. And, um, he loves me. I 
I struggled with um, the depression and just um, not feeling like he loved me. And um, he does. to show this video at the very, very end. Originally, I was going to show it at the beginning, but um, after Janie was healed, she pushed her wheelchair home, and um, her, her daughter sees her pushing her wheelchair into the home, and um, her daughter was her caretaker for 12 years, and when her daughter saw her, it, it changed her life because she got her mom. And a week later, they wanted to celebrate, so they went to Disneyland. And, um, and they walked for miles and miles and miles celebrating what Jesus did. I want you to look at your hands right now. Let's just say there was an anointing on my life. And I'm going to lay my hands on the sick outside the four walls of the church. And see incredible miracles, signs, and wonders take place that will change individual lives, but whole families. In Jesus' name. If you feel something stirring in your heart after you saw that video, quickly stand to your feet right now because I want to pray for you uh, for, for a gift of faith to come on your life, to, for God to begin to, this week, begin to activate uh, healing signs and wonders in your life uh, throughout this place, uh, outside the, out of the four walls of the church. And Father, I pray right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, for there to be like a gift of faith to come on people that this week, Lord, uh, that they're going to be laying their hands on the sick. They're going to see people get recovered. People are going to get saved this week through their life, Lord. We pray for incredible miracle signs and wonders. And Lord, I thank you, God, that in the midst here, I, I smell evangelists. <laughs> I smell evangelists. Uh, Pastor Jim, I, I smell evangelists in your midst. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, God, we pray right now for an activation of the evangelist the, the gifting and the calling of the evangelist here for the equipping of the saints God right now with